Good morning everyone. It's uh, good to be with you and to come and share this morning uh, from God's Word and uh, to think about uh, loss again. This is part two of loss and we're here to think about how uh, loss might affect us and how do we deal with loss in uh, many different situations. Last time we were looking at uh, in a sense, um, God the Son wanting a bride for himself, wanting fellowship with his creation and creating us with the capacity to understand some of God's own emotions. And so part of understanding God himself is to understand the process of loss and grief. And the emotion that God has and the care and love that he feels when men and women do their own thing. Leave him out and he has lost touch with his creation. Dawn's going to read to us uh, a passage where um, there is a lot of anguish and concern because of the anticipated loss that someone was going to receive. In fact, a whole nation, the Jews. Don's going to read part of the story from the book of Esther, where the king had allowed one of his advisors to have free reign, and he hated the Jews. Haman hated the Jews. And he wanted to destroy all of the Jews that were in the kingdom. And we here see some of the anticipated loss that the Jews had. The reading is from Esther chapter 3 beginning at verse 13 through to chapter 4 ending at verse 3. And the letters were sent by post into all the king's provinces to destroy and to kill and to cause to perish all the Jews, both young and old, little children and women, in one day, even upon the thirteenth day of the twelfth month, which is the month Adar, and to take the spoil of them for a prey. The copy of the writing for a commandment was given in every province and was published unto all the people that they should be ready against that day. The post went out being hastened by the king's commandment and the decree was given in Sushan, the palace. And the king and Haman sat down to drink, but the city Sushan were perplexed. When Mordecai perceived all that was done, Mordecai rent his clothes and put on sackcloth and ashes and went out into the midst of the city and cried with a loud and bitter cry and came even before the king's gate for none might enter into the king's gate, clothed with sackcloth. And in every province wheresoever the king's commandment and his decree came, there was great mourning amongst the Jews, and fasting, and weeping and wailing, and many lay in sackcloth and ashes. Amen. Thank you, Dawn, for that. As you can tell, uh, when we are facing loss, going through loss or had loss in our lives 
it can create much anguish and distress. Significant loss can almost drain the life out of us. It can mean that the f we become very vulnerable and distressed, that we're unable to cope with normal everyday things. Uh, the psalmist said, in my distress, I cried unto the Lord and he heard me. I'm going to read you just a few paragraphs from a book uh, by uh, Jerry Sisser. Uh, it's his story of how he went through loss. And he says, I am not sure it is entirely possible to communicate the utterly devastating nature of one's suffering. Some experiences are so terrible that they defy description. Still, I feel compelled to say at the outset, however inadequate my words, that what has happened to me has pressed me to the limit. I have come face to face with the darker side of life and with the weakness of my own nature. It is as vulnerable as I feel most of the time. I can hardly call myself a conqueror. If I give the impression I think myself heroic, perfect or strong, then I'm given the wrong impression. My experience has only confirmed in my mind how hard it is to face loss and how long it takes to grow from it. But it has also reminded me how meaningful and wonderful life can be even and especially in suffering. Some powerful words there from uh, Sitsa. Utterly devastating he uses. Pressed to the limit the darker side of human life and the weakness that he felt. Sometimes we can feel like that. We can feel utterly at the end of life. In fact, a description of loss is provided uh, by Colin Smith in his book, For All Who Grieve. And he says this, when a person loses a loved one, we speak of them as being bereaved. The word reeve means to rob, plunder and or tear away. And when you lose someone you love, that is what you feel. Your loved one has been taken from you and you are reeved, literally torn in two. Grief builds in the soul like steam in a boiler. And the pressure of grief that is not expressed can break your heart. So we must find ways to release the pressure. God has provided for this first through the gift of tears 
and then through the gift of talk. We're going to look a little bit at those subjects this morning. He goes on to say, Lamentations puts grief into words. That's the book of Lamentations in the Bible. It has sustained outpouring of sorrow in which the painful details of all that has happened to God's people and all that they lost are repeated over and over again. The five chapters of Lamentations often seem to go around in circles. Grief is like that. It is not linear. Grieving people know what it is to cover the same ground again and again. I read those two different uh, items. I've read those two different items and extracts to give you the feeling of what some people go through. That they feel plundered and robbed, devastated and their life torn apart. Smith talks there about tears being a gift and they can let go of the intensity of emotion. And yet there is this thing that it keeps on surfacing in our lives. It is a wound that we have, a scar that we carry sometimes, all of our life. It makes us who we are. It brings us to a place where God is dealing with us. And so loss, in a sense, is becomes part of us. It, it is an experience that builds our characters within us. When we were listening to that extract, it talk, um, he, I read about how talk can help uh, and how about this thought about going round in circles. I wonder whether you've had somebody who is going round in circles and you've said, I'm sick of hearing the same old thing. Isn't it amazing that sometimes we're not realising that somebody has had a profound loss and that that is affecting them? You know, sometimes the small details of life become... Um, apparent in our lives. Have you ever said to someone, but you need to move on, but they're not ready to move on. Those small details have become important and they're the focus of their lives. You know, we have to recognise that people deal with all of this grief in so many different ways. Some people blame God, they're angry at God. Some people are just angry at something but they don't know what. They're angry at life. And usually that comes to an anger about God even when they don't even realise it. When we're dealing with brokenness, it can shatter our future and it can hold us down. 
So how do we find new purpose? How can we be assured of God's understanding? It's very difficult to see all these things. But what I want us to realise is that as we're trying to help people in that situation, there is a sense that we have to recognise that people have been hurt deeply. And so sometimes they want to avoid contact with people because they fear that their vulnerability will be shown. That's why love is so important. That's why it's so important to care for people and not to judge them. Because we don't really know what they're going through. And so people don't share their vulnerability. They're afraid of their vulnerability and they will stay away from us. Uh, sometimes the opposite is true. Sometimes people want some comfort and they come along to church uh, for support and help and strength and then what happens is we say, oh, I'm not sure what to say. I don't know what to say. Oh, I'm best avoiding them. And so Christians can say the wrong things when somebody is vulnerable. It's so easy to do. And sometimes we can avoid saying anything and leave them feeling alone and dark. There's no simple answer to it. You see, what we have to recognise is it's not about us talking, but it's about the person who has lost and them talking. It is about them being able to go round those circles, being able to talk about those small details that seem important to them in the moment. Sometimes it's just about being silent. There can be meaning in silence. Allowing the person who is grieving to talk, if they want to talk, and when they want to talk, is so important. But when we get into a situation, so often we want to fix things. You know, we can be fixers of difficult situations. And that can be a problem because that can create pain in itself. We want to try and comfort somebody by fixing the problem. Sometimes people don't want the problem fixed. In a sense, they just want to be able to tell their story. They want to be able to share their burden. Even keep their memories alive. But for most of us, we don't take time to do that. For most of us, we can't let somebody talk about how they feel. Because we feel inadequate in order to help them. When we feel inadequate, that's when we can sit in silence, we can nod, we can listen to what they're saying, we can hear them speaking, we can say, I understand just a little, but not really. We can try and comfort, not with words, but sometimes just with silence. The amazing thing is the psalmist said, as I read, 
In my distress I cried unto the Lord, and he heard me. Sometimes people do cry to the Lord, and God hears. But often we are to be the people that are the Lord's representatives. And so if people cry to us, shouldn't we hear them? We're not sure. The psalmist doesn't say that he uh, settled all of the problems and managed to deal with everything. Uh, he did. He does go on and say he delivered his soul. But friends, we're to deliver people, walk the journey through the problem into brighter futures with people. We deliver people by being with them day by day. Um... Are you a good listener? Can you let somebody tell the story? That's what pastoral work is all about. In fact, when you go to Romans and chapter 12, Romans and chapter 12, there you have um, just one verse that I want to read. In verse 15. It says, Rejoice with them that do rejoice. And weep with them that weep. We're on a journey to share our lives with others. To share our problems with others. Uh, I was always told a burden shared is a burden halved. I'm not sure whether you've heard that as well. Are we sharing? Are we walking? Pastoral care it's about being there for people. When they're rejoicing, yes, but often in their difficult situations, when they are weeping. In Psalm 56 and verse 8, the psalmist writes these words towards God. Thou tellest my wanderings, Put thou my tears into thy bottle. Are they not in thy book? What's the psalmist saying there? That God understands when we seem to be wandering without aimlessly, when we haven't got any direction i think that one of the more modern versions says about tossing and turning on a bed that we just can't we're restless we can't get comfort god understands god knows those times in our lives the psalmist says put your tea, my tears in your bottle god measures our distresses and our problems he knows what we're going through he knows the weight of the burden that we are bearing. And it says, are they not written in thy book? He records our issues. Isn't that amazing? God is concerned with every detail of our life. We have an amazing God who is working in our hearts and lives. God understands the pain that we go through. And brothers and sisters, we have the love of God in our lives and we all have our own burdens. But we must learn to care for one another. We need to care for one another.
in Galatians and chapter 6 and uh, verse 2 it says we're to bear one, another bur one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ to bear one another's burdens to bear those difficult times that we all face and to be with us our God can be with us and so talking and sharing is so important but there's more and I want us to think of another issue that we can often face is that in the midst of loss um, our emotions are all over the place they're up and down there's no consistency there seems to be a lack of balance in our lives uh, and some of this is caused by our emotions running away and our emotions can cause guilt within us uh, some people uh, in the middle of a loss because they just don't want to deal with the emotion and so they don't want to think through the issues that they're facing they work harder they do longer hours they keep themselves busy uh, to try and keep life in some sort of balance but eventually for some they become exhausted they become weary they seem to have no time and when they do have time they've just got nothing to give to any other issues in life and then they become guilty of their failure and so guilt upon guilt starts to occur for others it's the other way round exhaustion can come before the loss they go and visit hospitals regularly to their loved one or they're caring for a loved one at home and takes all of their physical energy and demands. They become emotionally drained and physically exhausted. That can be very difficult for somebody even before the loss has occurred. And when the loss comes eventually comes sometimes we can feel a little relief and then we feel guilty about that it's so hard isn't it emotionally we can be up and down and we can't always read our emotions we become vulnerable we start to ask questions like if only or what if I'd have done this? The onset of guilt can linger in the back of our minds and uh, for a very long time. It can colour the whole of our life moving forward. You remember last time I was speaking, I spoke about uh, Jacob that said, I will go down to the grave mourning my, the loss of my son, Joseph. And in a sense, that's how we can feel. I wonder, in a sense, we've all had circumstances. Maybe we've not had major losses in our life. But as we get older, those major losses do come. And as I said last time, I've lost my mum and Dawn's lost her mum. And 
we've seen loved ones and others that we care about losing friends and family and such like. It's not easy. But we can feel guilty that we didn't do enough and such like. And this can make loss even deeper than it actually is. That guilt can come because we've actually done wrong. And then sometimes it's not because we've done wrong, but we believe we've done wrong. You see, when we believe a lie, that lie becomes truth to us. When we allow emotions to come and we read those emotions the wrong way, or we read the circumstances, or if the what-if becomes big in our lives, all of a sudden that guilt becomes so great in us that it takes over and we start to believe it to be true. In the book of Lamentations, which we've already mentioned, a book about grief, there Jeremiah acknowledges that he's wrong, that his nation has done wrong, that they deserved punishment, but it still didn't take away the pain. Sometimes there is a true guilt in our lives, but sometimes that's not the case. Do you remember uh, Job? In the book of Job, um, his three friends came to comfort him, but then they started accusing him because he sort of said, I don't know why this loss has come upon me. He lost all of his children. He lost most of his possessions. And his wife told him to curse God and die. And as his friend said, well, what sin have you done in your life? What wrong have you committed? He said... I'm innocent, I haven't. I haven't consciously done those things. And he's probably started to feel in a situation that everybody was against him. But it's amazing, at the end, God speaks. And God speaks to Job first, but then he turns to Job's three friends. And this is what he says in Job chapter 42. And I'm going to read verse 7. And it was so that after the Lord had spoken these words to Job, the Lord said to Eliphaz the Temanite, My wrath is kindled against thee and against thy two friends, for ye have not spoken of me the thing that is right, as my servant Job has. Job spoke rightly, and the three friends didn't. And so Job if he'd have believed his friends, he would have had false guilt in his life. You know, if we do have false guilt, Jesus Christ is the truth. He's the answer to that false guilt. And if we've got a guilt upon us that is actually true, we feel guilty because we have done wrong. The amazing thing about the scriptures is that God is willing to forgive us. That's why the Lord Jesus came. That's why he died upon a cross. To provide forgiveness. For each and every one of us. In Hebrews chapter 10. Verse 22. It says. Let us draw near with a true heart. Full of 
assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. I don't have time to unpack the whole of the verse, but I want to think about that. Evil conscience. When there's false guilt, our conscience is, is saying, I'm, I'm hearing something here. It's a bad conscience. It's not interpreting the circumstances right. And we feel guilty. Our conscience is against us. Well, our hearts can be sprinkled. Our hearts can be cleansed. Our hearts can be made right and clean again. And that's done through the Lord Jesus. It's through knowing that every part of us, everything that we've done that is means that we're guilty, every time we've done something wrong, it has already been paid for. That guilt has been met. The debt that we owe has been dealt with. God sent Jesus to die. To pay for the sins of the whole world. For you and for me, he's paid our debt. And that's just an amazing thing that we really need to do. To take on board. There's just... One more verse I want to share as I come to a conclusion. John, in his first epistle, is talking about Christians walking with Jesus. And he says, And the blood of Jesus Christ, his Son, cleanseth us from all sin. That's 1 John chapter 1 and verse 7. All sin. What I would like to say then is in loss, sometimes it's good to talk. Talk to God. Tell him your problems. And if you're not in that situation, then definitely talk to someone who is willing and understanding. Who's not there to solve the problem, but just wants to talk to you. And if you have guilt... If it's a false guilt, if you feel exhausted and you look back and you think, I wish I'd have done more. Don't let that dominate your life. But recognise that God has dealt with him. Recognise that God has paid the price of any guilt. If it's false guilt, it's wrong. And if it's a true guilt... It has already been forgiven. What an amazing God we have. So whatever loss you might be feeling. It will. Affect your life going forward. It is part of your life. It is good to keep those memories alive. It's good to remember the. Enjoyable times. But what I would say. Is don't be dominated by the loss live through it and realise that God is allowing you to experience some of what he is like we could talk so much more about our legitimate feelings of anger towards God uh, God is big enough to take it 
he loves you so much that he doesn't mind you shouting at him even. So many other things that we could talk about in a loss that we could bring to you. But I hope this has helped you to deal with loss. Deal with it by being willing to talk and let your emotions out. And being willing to recognise that feeling guilty is not a legitimate thing for us as Christians. But Jesus has gained the victory and he has conquered all things. Praise his name. I hope that's been helpful. May God bless you each and every one. Amen.